Welcome back to this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. We're going to find out what is happening to our girl trunk. We're going to learn that being a reaper is so fetch. Also, how to dance the planchette polka. I think that's what a polka sounds like. I don't know. I'm a terrible (laughs) Polak. All right, let's do this. Season two, episode one of Devil's Trap Podcast. We're back. Woohoo, we're back. I'm Liz. I'm Diana. In case you forgot about us, we're here. <laughs> Yay. It's Devil's Trap Podcast. We're watching the show Supernatural from beginning. And we just finished season one, launching into season two. It's the first time I've ever seen this, this show or any of these episodes, whereas Liz is a bit of an aficionado of the Supernatural universe. Sure, we'll go with the fish and auto. Yeah, that that works. That words. sounds that sounds very classy. I'm glad that you haven't forgotten how to pick your words. Yeah. So we took it. We took a, a brief break, and we've been working on some things in the back end. They're still in motion because they're a lot, much harder to do than we thought. But they will come out soon, mm-hmm. and then we'll all be really excited. And I do have some other exciting things to talk about today too. So I'm really, yeah, I'm gonna stop using the word excited before I say that too much so uh diana did you have anything fabulous happen over the break anything you want to bring up um i mean i uh drank too much at a punk rock show that was pretty sweet did that since the break and then also i think um we painted a room in our house so super exciting stuff over here (laughs) very extremes of like acting young and crazy and being super domestic both extremes covered completely in this household um yeah that's about all i got to this on my reporting i think looking forward to you visiting in a few weeks and uh yep that'll be really fun i can't wait to get up there and maybe we'll we'll take some go to some fun places and take some fun pictures that's that's the goal uh yeah, I you? planted. Yeah, I planted a garden, uh, or half the garden, but now it's raining again, so I can't finish planting it. And so I have some seedlings. It's very half-assed, and I just cut it. And the worm farm has gotten. Um, <laughs> it's um, kind of smelly, so I don't think I'm doing anything right. And I've had an invasion of fruit flies and gnats, mm-hmm. so I've got an emergency order from Amazon for a bug zapper that's coming tomorrow. Oh. So ho- so hopefully, like, and I've got like there's like little like death traps for gnats, like of yeah. apple cider and soap, like just strategically placed through the house. And this morning, the cat was yowling really bad, and I think she's very upset with what is happening. So we, <gasps> but you know, the, the work they have to be inside because it's too, if they go outside there's too hot but i may just be like here just go in this flower bed you can live here now <laughs> just How, this, this, this is where you live now and this was a, a wasted bunch of money uh, mm. but i'm trying to do something for the earth and i'm failing at it and so at least i could keep a cat alive but maybe not worms and <laughs> yeah 
And so, yeah, this weekend I drove more than I think I have driven in the past year. I did many things. I went and had a sleep study because I can't sleep, which was super fun. Uh, that was that sarcasm. That was, that was not fun at all. It's like, oh, you're having trouble sleeping. Let's stick a bunch of shit to you, putting you in an unfamiliar room and ask you to relax. Yeah. Well, we have a camera on you. And then like, he's like, I may come in in the middle of the night and put a mask on your face, which just sounds like a horror movie to me. I'm like, we're going to lie here. <laughs> we're going to watch you sleep. And while you can, you're only half asleep, a stranger may come into your room and shove something on your face. Yeah, yep. Why not? Why not? Yep. So uh, on the way from there, and I was driving to our ranch in South Texas, I passed this place outside of San Marcos and I'm pretty sure I found a shifter bar. I think there are werewolves living outside of San Marcos and they have this place that's called Full Moon Saloon. There's a picture of a wolf painted on the outside of it and it looked like a biker bar. It looked like it belonged to True Blood. I, I shit you not. I'm like, oh my God, Can shifters are real. Down? Werewolves are real. Yeah, we have to go there and just be like, and there's like online, like their presence is very minimal. Like they yeah, have a Facebook like page, but nobody, it. but nobody posts on Like maybe there's just like a, a private thing and, <laughs> and their Yelp page, like it's just like says, like there's pictures of it, but there's no description. So I think mm. it's a secret werewolf bar and that it exists in Texas. So, so that's do, can we get like fake vampire teeth that you like pop on like the good ones that are molded, put those in and then just like go in there all nonchalant and then like order a drink and see what happens. Yeah. Or just ask them if they have any of that true blood and see, <laughs> see if, and they know see what their actions about, or are. if we get kicked out or if we get beaten by a bunch of bikers, Yeah, which can still like, be fun. Yeah. I, I've never, like, I've always wanted to have like that full Texas bar brawl where you like, you knock, you know, hit a chair you over throw, somebody. Throw a chair and we bust the bottle on somebody's head. Yeah, and, 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 and hit somebody with a cue stick. Like yeah. these are all things that surprisingly I've never done. So I'm actually, I actually am kind of surprised. <laughs> For me, I, I, it would be like, it would be shocking if I had done these things. For Liz, it's like, oh, really? You haven't? Okay. I mean, I've gotten in a fight like by a pool table and yeah. gotten thrown out of the bar, but I didn't get to like bust a chair over anybody's head, right? I didn't I didn't get to Swayze it. Not the Swayze we're gonna talk about later in this episode, but I didn't get to Swayze, you know, Roadhouse anybody. Roadhouse. You know, that's and I also know in in reality, if I tried to pick up a chair, I would probably just fall over. And then I would like hit the chair on somebody and you know they're just not breaking the chairs. chair at them. Flail and the just, chair in their general direction. Just, just kind of ah, like, like pretending like well, they're wolves, right? So yeah, it's like a lion just, when you like yeah, yeah. Back. yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Makes sense to me. I got it. Yeah. yeah. That's that was exciting. my that was my exciting news this weekend. I've been, I haven't I was waiting to tell you all week. I'm like, can't wait to tell Diane about the werewolf bar. And I was like, I was so excited. And I was also so tired because it was like six in the morning. And I'm driving past this place. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Is that when you missed your exit? No, no, that was much later. <laughs> okay. And that was when I almost, I almost went to Mexico. I ended up about uh, 99 miles from Laredo. Mm. So if you look at the map, you can see where Laredo is and you can see where 99 miles from it is. Really is not that far from, from our ramp. So it wasn't too far back, but that's also the point on that highway where they stop having exits. Oh, so once you so you have to go like so real like, far to turn around, you're like, you have to go like, or like do something really illegal. And I was like, well, we're gonna be you know good but i like saw an h-e-b i'm like there's no h-e-b's in this town and that's how i figured it out that's funny well surprise yeah yeah yep but Um, you know i did not miss traffic i did not miss you know i'm so used to like where have we driven in like the past year like to the hill country (laughs) you know like let's go somewhere very remote and rural yeah yeah 
And so it had to be in both San Antonio and in Austin traffic. And it was like, ah, all of you people. Why are there more people? So no, I'm ready. I'm ready. We're I'm in excitement mode of getting things going again. Yep. I do have another trip I'm gonna talk about on the show, but I'm saving it because there's gonna it ties into this week's thing and it's gonna be super I can't I can't wait to talk about it. Matt, so I think I think okay, wait, 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 what are you drinking? I forgot. I, forgot I am drinking my brand new shipment of Coleman wines. This is their Malbec Merlot. It's our, one of our once again, we've mentioned before, one of our favorite wineries in the Hill Country, or mine at least, but in the Hill Country. Uh, it's right actually in high Texas, basically right outside, uh, right. Almost next door to high rum, <laughs> which is what I'm drinking. Uh, I am drinking the dark high rum mixed with a pineapple mojito mix. Mm. So work decided, Hey, your lives suck. And we, we just, we need to say like, we, we actually care about you. So order the snack box, right? So you like, and they've done this before, like you have 50 bucks to, to spend on snacks. And I'm like, hey, look at all those cocktail mixers. So unfortunately they didn't have the actual booze, but I was like, so I got like a pineapple mojito, like a couple of like other mojito things. But this isn't a mojito, it's a mule. So it's okay. basically pineapple, which is really good. Pineapple, so it's pineapple, ginger, pineapple ginger beer and dark rum. And it's fucking delicious. And I'm very sad I only have one of them. Although I'm pretty sure I have pineapple juice and ginger beer and can probably make this myself. But yeah, but now we know pineapple, pineapple ginger beer pineapple, ginger and beer. rum. It's, nice. it's, it's a winner. Uh, yeah. So that is what I'm drinking. A yeah. lot of. A lot of. Yeah. I understand. Well, cool. Well, uh, yeah, why don't you tell us about uh, the background on this episode, In My Time of Dying. In My Time of Dying, which is a Zeppelin song, if you didn't know. Um, I, I take it, Diana, you didn't know, but nope. yeah, yeah, it's the name of a Zeppelin song. Uh, so again, season two, episode one, this first first aired September 28th. 6th, 8th, I can't read my my notes, but 28th in 2006. And so we had Kim Manners and Eric Kripke back. So because obviously they wanted, we're starting off a season, they wanted to set things up and I will find out through the season that there's going to be uh, some changes in tone. I think that you'd probably notice through this Diana too. Things are going to get a little lighter. And while they're monster of the weaking it a bit, they're probably going to be doing a lot more character development and other things. So it should be an interesting change from last season. Um, But yeah, really that's about all I have on the background of this. It wasn't really anything exciting except it's a new season, which is awesome. Yeah. I was excited. I know, like, I feel bad for the fans that were watching this when it came out because the cliffhanger that season one left you with, it's like, no. Whereas I'm like spoiled. I'm like, well, I know there's like 15 more seasons, so they can't all be dead. Like, <laughs> when I was watching. Yeah, we're going to kill one. off one of the brothers. That's what's, uh, that's how this, this stops, right? Yeah, uh, so, so I kind of was like, I was going, I was like, well, somebody's going to be okay in this car. They can't all be dead. So there's got to, because I know there's a series and there's enough of a fandom on Instagram that I see. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, I was I was excited to get back into it, and, and and we'll talk about it. I'm sure, but I think you're right. I think I can see a change in the tone a bit in this, and and a little bit in the dialogue even um, in this episode. So, um, I will point out once again that the intro song on this uh, episode season is not Kansas. Carry on my wayward son. Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be, but I'm sure it is. But they were using um, Stranglehold by Ted Nugent as the intro song on this I episode. think that actually may have been the original one. Yeah. I think that may have been Ted Nugent. I think the Nugent, the Nugent. 
the Nuge actually was the one they had started on this. I don't think they hadn't really gotten to it so far, but okay. yeah, that, that made sense. I was like, that's that actually seemed to fit pretty well. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, so we get that for the intro recap portion. And then we jump into the episode, which starts with the smashed up fucking baby, which is depressing as hell and the semi and it's a bad moon rising playing. So yeah, we got it back. So they took it out of the last, last episode. So maybe I have hope that all, maybe Netflix was listening to our podcast and they're like, <laughs> nah, no, these, right these bitches are very upset. <laughs> we, we need to put this back. So um, either way. Yeah. So CCR is back. So I was like, okay, I feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was relieved so, for you. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I'm glad you knew we're concerned. So yeah, we're at the accident. We got Bad Moon Rising playing in the background. Cars smoking, and Sam's alive. All right. So yes. cool. Well, we at see, least yeah. one of them. Yeah, we see Sam actually like talk. You know, awake as the the de- de- demon possessed truck driver walks over, and they have like a little brief dialogue, kind of where Sam's like, "I'm gonna shoot you," and he's like, "No, you're saving that bullet for someone else," and then pretty quick after that the demon leaves the body with his cloud of smoke and this it was an uh, awful lot of smoke like that was it was like damn how was it a, does that mean like the demon was really fat like was it a big demon like was it, it was a strong demon like what does it mean why does i don't he have know so much smoke he had so like was compared to, and even later like there was less smoke for like the bigger demon so right i don't know i mean i know it was also just an effect thing it looks really pretty with the moon but yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. We get a helicopter. But it cuts really, like, I thought it was kind of weird. I'm like, okay, so it's like dark outside and they're there in the crashed car and the, the, once the guy, once the truck driver is no longer possessed, I mean, like somebody probably, like a truck probably has a way to like contact for help if there's a problem. He has a CB radio. He's a trucker. And then, but it's not until like, I mean, that would have been hours upon hours later <laughs> that they got to where it's like, we don't know. Like it could have been like, sun. it could have been four in the morning. And then by the time like Podunk town, oh, we had to get an airlift here because these yeah. guys are dying. So people uh, can lie on the side of the road for a long time. Yeah. It's real, suddenly it's like super bright. Anyway, so they get them all medevaced out um, to the hospital and you see Dean wake up and, uh, and, and kind of wanders out of his room and, and looking for his brother and his dad. And you kind of realize like, I'm like, I'm already watching. I'm like, something's not right. Either this hospital's fucked up or something's not right. It's like a dream sequence or some shit because there's no one really around. And then- And um, also he's not in a hospital gown, which I'm kind of disappointed in. And he's in like a t-shirt and pajama pants. And how hilarious would it have been if he had to do this whole episode oh within a hospital gown with his uh, ass hanging out? I didn't that, even think it, of that. You're so right. That's amazing. That would have been hilarious. It would have been so good. You failed, Supernatural. You failed. <laughs> opportunity uh, missed yep but but yeah so he's like goes down and weirdly says nothing skeezy to the blonde receptionist um I'm like that's odd and then i uh, realized that she can't see or hear him and when he goes back up he sees himself unconscious in bed which is always like a heebie-jeebie thing like that's fucking freaky i don't i don't care I mean, even with it wasn't like a super like Boom, 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 scary scene it's always like okay looking at yourself well, unconscious yeah all yeah. tubed up <laughs> And fun fact that for the most part, that was a body double that was in the bed who was in a Jensen mask. And so they had made like a Jensen mask, like out of like plaster, like, you know, the, with the whole movie uh-huh, monster the, thing. The latex mask and thing, so yeah. like the body double couldn't eat the entire day on set. They're like, he just like, they can put a straw in there and that was it. So this poor guy had to be like all day, like 
with Jensen face on. I mean, can you just take a fucking nap? Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's like when I go get my eyelashes done. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna lie here and let you stick things on me. No. And, yep. Yeah, and then, um, but what's kind of weird to me is that when Sam walks in, which like obviously he's not hurt as bad as as Dean or or fucking John, but Sam walks in and he's still in like his fucking street clothes. Like, didn't he get treated for anything, or were they just like, no, you're cool? Like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of weird, but. No, I guess they're like, you're fine. We don't need to admit you. You look great, even though this doesn't make sense and how you were at the truck was hit, but the car was hit, but I'm not going to go into that. You, you were covered, you're covered in blood and uh, we're strapped to a stretcher brief just a few minutes ago. But anyways, so um, anyway, so D- Dean's trying to talk to Sam and Sam can't hear him. And then we see like the doctor walks in to tell him that Dean, that dad's awake, that their dad's awake. Um, and so, uh, and starts to explain that Dean has some serious head trauma and makes a comment about when or if he wakes up, which is pretty uh, upsetting to everybody yeah. involved. So Dean's dying, cool. So yeah, Dean's dying of head trauma, bad. And then we have a really awkward scene where John gives his fake insurance card to Sam when Sam goes to see him. I was deeply amused. Well, he also said they were both on his fake insurance. So at least, but I'm not like, you didn't let them know they had fake health insurance before. Like they probably needed that. I mean, when's the last time they went to a doctor? You know, like they probably need a physical, being on the road is really hard on your liver, you know, all sorts of things. But yeah, and they start, you know, fighting dads being kind of a shit. But dad does make a really point that we sh- we should be worried about Trunk. Team Trunk! And I'm like, yes, you left Trunk all alone. Poor Trunk is Poor out Trunk. there and she doesn't know what's happening. And she's just like holding on to her weapons. And she's like, I don't know if they're coming back for me. Am I just abandoned? I'm these, but I'm protecting these for yeah. you because yeah. I'm here for you because I'm Trunk. That's right. Oh, uh, there was one funny line that, uh, that I wanted to point out. I'm sorry. So when Dean was like yelling at Sam, when Sam, not yelling, but trying to talk to Sam when Sam couldn't hear him. One of the things he said, find some hoodoo priest to lay some mojo on me to bring him back, to make him better. And even though Sam didn't react like he heard, he didn't react like he had heard his brother at all then, when he's talking to John about Dean, he says, we need to find some hoodoo priest to lay some mojo on him. So it's kind of a, it was kind of interesting. Like, I don't know if the implication was that Sam actually heard Dean, but didn't realize it. Or if it was just how they know how each other talks and thinks now. Either way. Yeah. So anyways, they're worried about the car. He's already John's sending good old Bobby. Good old Bobby. <laughs> I love I like to go uh, to get that and um and is really worried obviously about the cult. So and yeah. then like and, and hands off Dean hears and yeah, he hands off a shopping list. Yeah, we get a shopping list of you. This is for protection. Mm-hmm. So condoms, that's clearly what he's buying. He's buying condoms. Uh, Yeah, so Sam leaves and Dean's there and he's like, yeah, dad, you're a big liar, liar, pants on fire. And I think it's gonna be a running theme this episode that John is a liar, liar, big fat liar. So. And then we're gonna- We know this, it just just keeps being reinforced. Yep. So, and now we're gonna switch and we're gonna see, oh no, baby. Oh, baby. baby. So sad. (laughs) She's she's so hurt. pissed. Oh my god! Fair, fair. She was she was so beat up. I know it was so sad. It was very sad. Very sad. I uh I I appreciate Sam's commitment to saving the car for Dean. No, that car is not salvageable. 
No, it's not. But it's also obviously a metaphor, right? Like I can't let the car die because I can't let Dean die. I let the car die. That even one part working, and yeah, yeah. So if Dean has a spleen, we're gonna take Dean's spleen and make him into a new Dean. That's how I read that. But okay, yeah. So So we're we're just gonna go into like like cloning kind of stuff then. Yeah, regeneration, something like that. You know, yeah. Hoodoo man, find a hoodoo man. Hoodoo man. That's they need for some mojo. Um, (laughs) but yeah. So, and then Bobby lets Sam know that that list is not a bunch of shit to fucking, pr- for protection. Because it, John's a big fat liar. Because John is a liar. And he doesn't tell us then, but we find out shortly later what it actually is for. Yep. So, so yeah. And so they cut back to the hospital, right? So, mm-hmm. and <laughs> Dean is there telling him that he's a shitty father. <laughs> I'm like, you yeah. are right. He is a shitty fucking dad. Yeah. And then he sees some like figure thing, like fly some like spirit thing fly down the hallway and he goes to find, goes to look for it. And he sees like a woman like collapsing and suffocating on the floor. And he's like, what the fuck? So now he thinks that this spirit is like after people in the hospital. Well, that's a legit thing to think. I mean, because she wasn't like a patient. It was just a random nurse having a heart attack. So yeah, yeah, I would be like, oh shit, something's going on here. Like I heard a big rumble, saw a big flash of light and now there's a chick dying. Like, yeah. Yeah, which sense. really doesn't even fit into the mythology of this episode so i'm just gonna ignore it and pretend it didn't happen and so um <laughs> sam, sam comes back and then he starts yelling at john for being a big for fat liar. being a fat liar because yeah. the list is not to protect them from the demon it's to summon the demon why are you bringing it here john what you doing you're so selfish then, but then they're so they're yelling at each other about it and um and daddy tells Sam that he, like that John tells Sam that he should have killed the demon, even if it had killed him, because at least then Dean would be okay. I was like, that's really fucking sad and fucked up to tell him. You yeah, know, that's a shitty thing to tell your son. And like, if you did this, your brother would be alive. Fuck you, John. If you had just killed me, your father, then your brother would be okay. It's like, what kind of emotional, like, abuse is this? This is fucked to say. Yeah. yeah no there, there's a reason these guys have issues like and it's it's in this hospital bed doing it right now so yeah. yep so. and then of course this is pissing Dean off yeah and Dean is trying to fight him and he sways his glass yeah. it was so, so funny I thought that was hilarious there's some great one-liners in this like the yep. like the hoodoo priest to work some mojo and then this one when he knocks the glass on the ground it shatters they both look dude I full-on swayzied that mother which was funny it, it was i liked it so uh and then so obviously sam sam and john stop fighting because they realize that something's up and something made that glass fall and uh, then we get doctors running down a hall and we realize that dean's body is crashing they're using paddles and all that and, well, and spirit- that's probably why he was fritzing out too because dean starts going yes. bop, 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 bop. and we're like what's the going grin. on with dean yeah and he's and he sees that it's a spirit thing floating over him and he uh, runs over and tries to grab it. And you kind of get the impression that Sam may have heard or sensed him at that point. Um, and um, anyway, so he grabs the, grabs the spirit like by its like neck or something. And then it disappears and leaves. Uh, and then Dean's pulse comes back <clears throat> and he's not awake, but his spirit is more stable and his body is no longer dying. And he says, if I can grab it, I can kill it, which I thought was really funny too. <laughs> Yeah, my um, mine was like, mm, okay, all right, that's a 
That's a thing. Okay, you said that. So Dean's going to meet up with another coma girl. And then I got coma girl stuck in my head. But that's Tessa. And she's like, I just came in for an appendectomy. Oops. I'm like, yeah, this is how I feel when I go to the hospital. Uh, and so they start going back. And he's, you know, giving her one of the kind of version of the speech. And yeah. he was like, yeah, we're having the out-of-body experience. And we're fetches. Okay. So oh, while she, says, I was- she asks if he's new agey. Did you? <laughs> he's like, yeah. do you see me with crystals or listening to Yanni? <laughs> Nobody lighters in this episode. Oh, they are. They are given lighters, and nobody listens to Yanni. Okay, so they says that they're fetches, and I'm like, oh my god, fetch. So this week weekend, while I was driving around, somebody mean girls on the text dot. Did you see that? Now I did see it. Be a cool mom. Be a cool mom. Buckle, buckle up. Like, like buckling, buckling up, up is, is so fetch. fetch. And it, like, I saw it all over Texas this weekend, yeah. and it did not hit me to because I was like, why the fuck is someone doing this deep Mean Girls cut? And then today I finally figured out, I'm like, oh, Mother's Day, cool mom. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that makes so much more I'm sense, mom. I'm a cool mom. And it, but yeah, for all weekend, I was like, why is this here? This is so oh. random. And now I, I get it. I felt that's why stupid. you need someone to hack on that and be like, stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> yeah. I I'm not saying, yeah. I'm, sorry. I, I'm not saying I, I don't know anybody who could do that. Um, yeah. So, oh, but yeah, um, I was amused. I could talk to you about how to get into those things, but we won't. And I would probably get arrested if I did. So let's, let's not, let's not there. <laughs> All right. So they're fetches. Fetch. Ha! All and right. So, yeah. and he's, and he's like, basically, we just need our bodies to get better and then snap back in and wake up, is what he thinks. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then we figure out that Sam has pretty much definitely felt Dean's presence in some way. And of course, this is where like John's promising that they're, he's not going to hunt the demon and tell them know that Dean's okay. Once again, big fat liar. Big liar. So, um, and there's kind of a weird little like convo back and forth about with Tessa and Dean here, where she's like, oh yeah, she's just very blase, you know, blase. Like yeah, it's okay if I'm just a spirit and my body may or may not survive. But whatever happens is fate and he's like uh no i'm gonna like fight to live <laughs> so <laughs> yeah and then there we go uh and then they run after like, like the kids ward when they see a bunch of doctors there and the spirit kills a child at this point basically well I mean, we see, we see that the little girl dies after she's touched by the yellow thing which is yeah. so weird and i'm not sure how that works but yeah. anyways so we're gonna go back and they're like oh okay and they're like well i guess she's not in pain anymore I'm like okay little girl dead cool um and then sam shows up in dean's room trying to talk to him and this is probably your favorite part <laughs> yeah uh, it is so sam pulls out a ouija board and i'm a mystical of, talking board it is a mystical talking board and one sam you're not supposed to play with that alone that's a, that's a hard and fast rule and i did almost wear a ouija board dress tonight but I wanted to wear my shirt that you'll see later, which is, you know, never trust the living, which is also fitting on this. But, you know, Sam's got a talking board and he's got a Ouija. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about some Ouija boards. Yes. Is this lore? <laughs> this is lore. We're going to talk about the Ouija. Yeah. Yay. And some other fucked up shit, because that's what I do. All right. So... <laughs> 
obviously, you know, people have been trying to divine things forever, but when we really first start seeing something that looks like our modern idea of Ouija board is when planchettes, which is French for little plank, Oh, sorry, in France. Little plank. No, no, that's not it. That's right. uh, ooh la la, little plank. Um, oh, so, so those come around like mid-1800s. And so a traditional planchette, you know, that's heart-shaped and it's on two rotating casters. And underneath it, there is a pencil at the tip that would form the third leg. <laughs> third leg. Um, <laughs> and of course, who were using this? My favorite people, the spiritualists. So the spiritualists immediately discovered that in addition to writing messages, that you could also use it as a pointer. And so that started setting the stage for the talking boards. Mm. Um, and according to Mysterious Planchette, he thinks that they likely originated in France around 1853, and they were used in seances to help communicate with the spirits. But it was also scandalous because men and women sat so close together to put their hands on the planchette. Ooh la la. So planchettes made their way to America around 1858, and they were made and sold in a Boston bookstore by the publisher G.W. Cottrell, but their popularity really took off at a fancy schmancy New York stationery store that all the elite people shopped at named Kirby and Company began selling it to their fancy peeps, and that was in the 1860s. And Kirby said they sold 200,000 of them by 1868, but I think he's also a big fat liar because that sounds like a lot of things to be selling in a little store in New York. Um, but you know they were really popular because they there were songs written about them like the planchette polka and also the 1868 planchette song and chorus um yeah there and then i was like oh shit i went down this rabbit hole and there are also spiritualist ditties like the fox family endorsed the haunted ground the spirit polka and its spiritual successor the mysterious wrappings polka all things huh. that sheet music exists for and i want to find the sheet music and make songs about them there's a lot of polka people like their polkas then okay what else is great is that mysterious plant chat site is run by this austin guy named brandon hodge and he has a massive collection of spiritualist items and his mm. house in high park is often featured on the weird homes tour so back when we could do things like go to people's houses and not spread the plague um. uh people would go to his house and see it but on May 18th, which is next week, he is doing a virtual tour called Ghosts in the Machine, and he's going to do a virtual tour of his house and his collection, and also the house in Wayne County, New York, where the spiritualist movement started. I don't know if that's a Fox house or not, but I have booked. Everyone who's on should join. Let's go on a field trip. So I'm going to put the, the link on here, and we can all go together and go look at all his planchettes. Uh, so we'll put a link to the event, right? but it's off of, off of Atlas Obscura. So anyhow, all right. So in addition to the planchettes, around the same time, dial plates came out. And in, in France, Spiritus Alain Kardec, the founder of French Spiritism, published his 1861 book, La Livrée des Médiums. And in it, he described his own experiences with the dial plates, as was translated by this woman named Anna Blackwell. In order to render spirit communications independent of the medium's mind, various instruments have been devised. So one of these is sort of a dial plate on which the letters of the alphabet are arranged like those in the dial, the electric telegraph, a moving needle set in motion through the medium's influence with the aid of conducting thread and pulley points and letters. So they weren't really that popular, but that combination with the planchette is how we ended up going into talking boards. 
1886, the New York Tribune published an article which documented the newest happening, talking boards. And they quoted this man. And I'm going to try really hard to do what I imagine the newspaper sounded like, but probably not. And he was like, Planchet is simply nowhere, said a Western man at the Fifth Avenue Hotel. <gasps> Compared with the new scheme for mysterious communication that's being used out in Ohio, I knew of whole communities that are wild over the talking board, as they have called it. I've never heard any other name for it. So I'm just like, the plant hats are nowhere, man. You got to get the new hat thing and the new hit whatever lingo they're using in 1860. So, all right. So this is where it also gets exciting for my life. So in 1890, a group of businessmen in Baltimore, uh, Maryland, founded the Kennard Novelty Company and they made toys and amusement devices while looking for the next best thing. They were like, hey, this talking board, this looks promising. Let's take it. So in 1891, they file a patent and they trademark the name Ouija. Nobody really knows where the name Ouija came from. Some say Kennard got the name from a spirit. So uh, the person who did the patent with him, Bond and Kennard and her sister said that, you know, they were doing a seance and the, that's what the board said, call me Ouija. Um, hmm. Other people think that it could be a combination of we and ya. So, because we, they're both say yes in French and German, but that would also, we would say Ouija or Ouija. But all right, so nobody knows where the name stuck. And by the 1890s, they were selling 2,000 boards a week. And the company had its up and downs. In 1897, William Fold took the control of the company, now named the Ouija Novelty Company, after he cut his brother out of it. So he kicked it, like, basically rips this off of his brother, which is great. And he did make millions until he fell off a roof and died. And so he was trying to, like, look, inspect a flagpole, and he fell over a railing, like, that just broke, and he fell down. And then he, like, <laughs> got put into an ambulance and he wasn't dead yet but then he died because the like he rib pierced his lung when he was oh. lying on the ground so yeah not the best start for it but while he was dying he was like don't sell the ouija board to anyone outside of the family and they're like sure dad we'll make sure mm -hmm. we don't do that and then parker brothers is like have all this money and they're like yeah we're gonna do that <laughs> so uh they sold it to parker brothers and they they moved its base of operations to salem which i think is pretty cool in the 60s oh. um and by 1967 uh ouija sold two million boards which is a fuck ton of boards we sold yeah. but the legend of the Ouija lives on in Baltimore, and the building where the seance to uh, name the board was supposedly held is now a 7-Eleven, and there is a plaque inside the 7-Eleven, and originally they were trying to install the plaque during this Ouija convention that was in town, but uh -huh. there were riots in Baltimore, so uh, they couldn't do it, so they came back later and they put the plaque in. So um, that's there, and then also the patenteer, Elijah Bond, who was one of the guys who founded it with Kennard, uh, he has a tombstone in Greenmount Cemetery and it's epic. Uh, we'll post pictures of it. Uh, but yeah, so the backside of his tombstone is a Ouija board. It is so fucking cool. And I'm going to be in Baltimore next week, bitches. So uh, hopefully we'll get some imp. I know we're going to Poe's Cemetery, uh, Poe's Grave, because we're weird and gothy. So this is in a different cemetery. Cool. So I have to see how many things like, hey, you want to go to another cemetery? How many cemeteries can you drag everybody to? Yeah. I mean, my friends are all kind of dark and weird, so it may not be that hard. I know the 7-Eleven, though, is definitely near where we're going to be. It's like 10 blocks. So I definitely like, let's go get a Slurpee and take a picture with the Ouija <laughs> sign. 
All right, so the science about Ouija, is it real? What's, what is going on? So the main debunking theory about how Ouija works is the effect of the idiomotor, which is the idea that small unconscious and, and or involuntary muscle movements can be made due to, okay, this is really long bullshit. Okay, pretty much like your mind can do an action like with just by your subconscious, right? So right. while you and your buddy are sitting there getting your hands really close, la la, um, you're basically your brain is like, I want to be this, I want to move this to F and I want to move this to E. And, you know, so even though you're not intentionally doing it, that you're subconsciously doing it. So that's, that's a theory. Or the other theory is that it's full of demons, which also we, we love demons. Maybe that's a weird thing to say, but uh, I don't have to be demons. It can be ghosts. It could be ghosts. So, but really, you know, for the long time, you know, this was just spiritualists are like, hey, this is bored and we're talking to ghosts and it's not a big deal. We know there are ghosts everywhere. Uh, but the church was like, hey, you know, we don't have a lot of people coming to our churches anymore. They're all going to hang out in the spiritualist thing and they're like doing seances and shit. Um, and also they're witches. So Pope Pius X commissioned this guy, J. Godfrey Roper, a psychic investigator, to warn Catholics about the danger of the Ouija. And in 1919, he published The New Black Magic and the Truth About the Ouija Board. And he said, there are those in this belief talking to spirits and in these practices, they are facing grave dangers, mental, moral, and physical. Ooh. He also said that people who use it get a, get a condition of lassitude, I guess it's lazitude, and exhaustion with severe pain that spreads all over the brains and that all mediums become nervous wrecks eventually because of all the ghosties. Uh, and in 1920, there's another book called The Menace of Spiritualism that Elliot O'Donnell wrote. And he said that it was just as likely to be evil spirits communicating and not necessarily your dead grandma. And he thought that spiritualists were largely elderly, childish, neurotic, ugly, and epileptic. So he was throwing some serious shade. He was like, wow. you ugly and you have epilepsy, like, which is just the weirdest thing, like, insult ever. Like, man, like, you suck. You have epilepsy. Fuck off, man. Like, that's a medical medical condition that i can't control like goddamn that's why he was also a misogynist and he said you know basically spiritualist women um all form societies who are man-hating and anti-marriage and that their views are eventually going to destroy the human race so yeah we're still trying bitches like we'll get you one day sir one day we will get you uh so but where shit really went south for the Ouija and when things started getting really damaged was when the exorcist came out in 1973 <laughs> and so if you have not seen the exorcist and who are you why have you not seen the exorcist that's just weird um obviously part of the movie suggests that you know the demonic possession came from the use of the Ouija board so people just really started thinking that Ouija's were going to take their soul and that there was just like, after that there was an explosion of reports of all the bad things that have happened to people after they use a Ouija board and I'm sure you've read some of the stories and heard them from your friends and oh we're using the Ouija board and this demon Zozo came out and then he tried to use Zozo is like a demon who like pops up in a lot of these things for some reason hmm. uh, but also like the the Catholic Church was like see told you it's evil and what was really funny is that you know of course like everyone's like it's evil but I want one and so like all the sales for Ouija board actually like went up after the movie came out so 
so it, most people I think kind of know the exorcist is based off of a book and the book is based off of a I'm using air quotes here a real incident but it's kind of a real incident so the last thing we're going to talk about because we got to get some spooky spook if we're going to be talking about Ouija is the case of Ronald Hunkler or also known as Robbie Doe or Roland Doe or Robbie Manheim because the church apparently changed his name a lot to protect him or some other bullshit. Uh, so Robbie, it was what we're just gonna go with that name because that's where he was mainly referred to. And his real name is Ronald. Uh, he was born in Cottage City, Maryland in 1935. So just a Maryland centric episode. I say, man. <laughs> yep. Uh, his dad was a lapsed Catholic and his mom a Lutheran. And according to more sources, he had a troubled childhood. And I'll get later into what some of those troubles were. Uh, but so in 1949, Robbie was 13 and started having some problems. First, everyone in the house started hearing some scratching, sounding like mice or rats are in there. And then they started hearing footsteps in the hall. Then Robbie started being attacked. His sheets were pulled off the bed. He was pulled onto the floor with them. And other poltergeists, really big thunder just rolled through. This is great. Is that what okay. that was? I was wondering yeah. what that was. Yeah, we're getting we're getting some mood thunder, guys. All right. Boom, boom, boom. Um, then real poltergeist-like activities started exploding all over the house. There was furniture moving, falling pictures, you know, all the shit that you would see like with a poltergeist in the room. But what does this have to do with Ouija, right? So some theories are is that Robbie had an aunt Tilly and she apparently died at the beginning of this year and everything went down but she was a spiritualist and she had talked to Robbie about the paranormal activity and they used to use a talking board together and Robbie's parents were like oh he tried to talk to her after she died so that's one theory and I'll get into later why that no, it's probably not true but uh, anyhow so Robbie's episodes continue and his folks took him to the Lutheran minister and he didn't have any luck because Lutherans don't do exorcisms and this guy was like hey you know maybe he needs to go to a mental hospital like maybe something's wrong with Robbie uh so he goes there and he gets worse and according to some reports the message go to St. Louis appeared scratched on his skin in blood red letters and his parents are like cool arm scratches tell us what to do now let's go to St. Louis so they go to St. Louis where they had relatives and they're like his mom's family member were Catholics and they're like, yo, we need some Catholic priests here. Like, something's wrong. This kid is demonically possessed. Or schizophrenia. But, you know, so the kid is, you know, demonically possessed. And um, and basically the, the Catholic Church is like, yeah, sounds great. Um, so they started exercising him in the house in March 16th of that year at the home of his relatives. Which I'll be like, fuck you guys. Like, come to my house and, like, have some exorcisms. Like, no. Like, you're the worst you don't, house guest you don't, ever. You don't, get, you don't have to get that demon out of your carpet. Yeah, that's gonna... Demons leave messy shit. Like, this kid's already, like, bleeding out of his smoke arm. smoke residue or whatever the fuck, you know. You but, might get like, some of that. In, there's gonna be incense. They're throwing water everywhere. Like, crucifixes falling off the wall. Yeah, just not good. Uh, so, while they're doing this, some of the symptoms Robbie purportedly exhibit, you know, See, and this is also why a terrible house guest. He was coughing up phlegm, drooling. He had painful, bloody welts. He was scratched up. He cursed like a sailor and he vomited and spit a lot. So he did a lot of long distance spitting. And this yeah. is actually true because they found out later, like, he was a kid, like, yeah, no, the kid could spit like 10 feet. Like, it was crazy. Huh. Um, and he also peed a lot. So we've got like blood, phlegm, mucus, pee. Piss. Get the fuck out of my house. You go stay at the Hojo. Like, no, we are not this close of a family. Get the fuck out. Um, 
So anyway, so the priests are there, and so he would attack them, and he would act like normal, and then it would start all over again. One part I think was really funny, according to one of the priests, they were, he went back to Maryland for a short-lived visit, and on the train rides, he became mani maniacal, and he started striking Father Bowden in the testicles, yelling, that's a nutcracker for you, isn't it? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh to be on that train it'd be like there's this teenager kicking a priest in the nuts um so anyway, they come back and so they took him back to a hospital and they continue to kind of exorcism and they're like hey this heathen boy hasn't been baptized that'll cure him so they go to the church and then he went crazy and they're like well we can't take him into the actual church because he's probably gonna desecrate it obviously he's been peeing and like throwing up everywhere like maybe we don't want to clean up the altar they, they don't have the budget for that janitorial staff yeah so like we're gonna baptize him in the rectory and they were able to baptize him and give him communion but he was still vomiting blood and snot the whole time so yeah Aww. i mean and you know catholic baptism is different than some of the other religions it's not the full water dunk and maybe they're yeah. like no we're just gonna throw you in this font like no no you just need to get in here like this is this is getting real messy um yeah can you, you need a stop? bath anyways because you got all that like all these body fluids all yeah, over this, you this, I mean. this is just unsanitary we're just we need to clean you um so for several weeks the exorcism moved between uh the hospital a college church and then that home on roanoke drive and in mid-april the right was moved back to the Alexian Brothers Hospital, which no longer exists. And the final exorcism was conducted in the psychiatric wing, shocking, on April 18th, 1949, the day after Easter Sunday. And the priest placed rosaries and religious medallions around his neck, and they forced a cru crucifix in his hand. And in Father Bishop's diary, he said, at midnight, the fathers planned to give him Holy Communion, but Satan would have no part of it. Even while the institution of the Blessed Sacrament was explained to him, his body was badly scratched and branded. The word hello was printed on his chest and thigh. <laughs> Upon explanation of the apostles becoming priests and receiving our Lord at the Last Supper, scratches appeared from his hips to his ankles in heavy, line, in heavy lines, seemingly as a protest to the Holy Communion. But the possession finally came to an end when during the final session, the young boy unexpectedly cried out, Satan, I am St. Michael. I command you to leave the body now. And after that, his body went to a violent spasm. He uttered, he is gone. And he was cured. Hooray! So they go back to Maryland. Uh, his dad and his mom are now Catholics. And he grew up fine. Eventually worked at NASA. So... Yeah, he, he became an NASA scientist. Wait, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, there were a bunch of weirdos in NASA and JPL. And someday we'll tell the story of the occult and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and why we have rockets. But uh, so the real question is, uh, was it real, right? Did this happen? And so you have a question. You're like, ah, ah, ah. no, go ahead. No, okay. I'm just processing. I'm processing. Yeah. So it was reported in several newspapers at the time and corroborated according to those writings by several Jesuit priests and other witnesses, but modern skeptics have been skeptics because that's what they do. And according to an investigation to Mark Opasnik, Opasnik, I don't know, sorry, Mark, uh, for Strange Magazine, many of the details of the story, including where the boy was from and whether he was taken to Georgetown Hospital for treatment were false. Uh, they do think that either Aunt Tilly or his grandmother sexually abused him as a kid, which is real sad, mm -hmm. but would explain, you know, I think either mental illness or schizophrenia, which tends to happen, like, or poltergeist activity that usually happens around 13 to kids who have been abused, like these things like 
typically start spinning up around then. So I think that could actually make some sort of sense if it was a poltergeist or just like he got real fucked up. But um, his childhood best friend was found. He just said, well, basically the kid was a mean bastard and he was an only child who went through, <gasps> went through anything but a normal childhood. He was smothered by his obsessively religious mother and grandmother who held deep interest in spiritualism and Ouija boards. He was shunned by his classmates at school prone to tantrums and even violent outbursts towards his family and his friends, exhibiting cruel and times even sadistic behavior towards children and animals. So hmm. he was not nice to animals. Maybe probably was a serial killer at some point, but it is likely that a ritual did occur in St. Louis in 1949. Um, there were diary accounts recorded by at least two priests who say they participate in the rituals. And, um, we do know that he was going back and forth. And in the Rare Books and Archives Division of St. Louis University's Pius VII Memorial Library, God, get a short name for your library. There are several binders of documents on the case of Roland Doe, which is one of his fake names, which inspired the Exorcist book and film. And so the one living talking eyewitness to the St. Louis exorcism attempt, and this was in the 90s, I'm sure he's dead now, uh, maintains that he did not witness any supernatural behavior by Rob Doe. No strange foreign languages other than mimicked Latin, no changes in tone or voice, no prodigious strength, no excessive vomiting or urinating. And to top it off, he is uncertain about the nature of the markings or the skin brandings in the boy's body. Uh, he thought, I was like, that looks a lot like lipstick. Uh, so hmm. um, that's kind of like it. The home where, wrote, where he stayed with his family is actually a popular tourist destination now. Uh, so you can go to Roanoke Drive and see the house. And, uh, and many investigate paranormal investigators have been there over the years, like the Ghost Adventure crew went there um but if you look at the pictures this looks like a nice colonial brick house looks, looks pretty nice I mean, yeah so how so i mean like so this guy works at nasa we know for sure or i mean he did? i think he's probably dead now i mean when the last person that what I, did he say about it if they knew who he was and where he was when the investigators figured out who he was and tracked him down he just said he didn't want to talk about it i mean that's fair yeah, I mean, I wouldn't but, either, because I mean, Chris probably, I, I mean, yeah. it was either one, he was a troubled kid with emotional issues, probably really sick, and then had a bunch of priests yelling shit at him all the time and throwing yeah. shit didn't at want him. Lose his, didn't want to lose his security clearance. Or lose his, yeah, like NASA, did you look that shit up? Or maybe that's why NASA brought him in. They're like, so we have this program. You, we think you can get into your demonic. Can you can tap into your demonic connections for us? We also heard you spit real nice. So... Oh. I just I, I don't know it's weird it's weird yeah but like some of the stuff it seems some of the, I'm those types of stories are always weird to me because I you while I am I think somewhat skeptical you are much more skeptical than I am and I'm like but how do you explain a or b you know what I mean and and so I'm a little bit more like and I love my Catholic mysticism, which obviously ties into exorcism. So yeah, I love my mysticism, but you it know, like he scratched himself. He was a really good spitter. He shook his bed. He, you know, he scratched the hall. He like threw the sheets off him. There are a lot of ways to explain this. And they said he was a mean kid. He had a dog that he stuck, like, like sucked, like sucked, sicked on his best friend. Like he had a chow and he like trained him to attack people and he would like sick him on his friend and be like, ha ha, the dog's attacking you. Like he was a dick. Yeah. He was so, a dick. I mean, granted, he was also heavily emotionally abused apparently. So, yeah, that's not uh, I mean, but so like having the exorcism safe solved his 
emotional issues from being abused. That's, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Well, I'm, I mean, not, I'm I mean, not discounting the, your lore. I'm just yeah. fascinated by the story. It's well, a- I mean, and it supposedly the Catholic church like kept an eye on him and things throughout the years, but as they would oh, do they with would. most of their exorcism cases, but there's yeah. also an amazing lightning storm that's happening. So I think I'm about to get struck by lightning. Um, um, well, I'll just, I'll keep blaspheming. As How much do, as- like, so what's the theory on like, when there are, is there like poltergeist activity in a household? Like when they, I mean, We'll, we'll get to, I mean, we'll definitely Eventually. do it. We'll, we'll, we'll dive deep into it. But I mean, from a psychological perspective and from other things, from, I mean, this is more of a mysticism. It's just that teenagers have a lot of emotions. Like, and yeah. so they, that builds, one of the theories about why you get a poltergeist is that that's a building up a lot of psychic energy in the house. And that's what's creating the phenomenon. Uh, because they really do tend to happen around kids of a certain age and usually kids who've been going through trauma or other other things like that. So, I mean, this really to me is sounded more like a poltergeist than, an, than a demon possession. But, you know, I mean, Catholics gotta, gotta exercise things, so. They're uh, pretty hesitant to do that shit nowadays though. You have to yeah, find like the right I mean, ones. The Vatican does not like getting the press on that shit now. But they still exist. I mean, you really, there are a number. We, we talked a bit about this show. Yeah, no, there's still plenty of exorcisms that are happening okay. and happening in the US. And he's like, oh, there's something wrong with my child. He must be possessed by a demon. Not, hey, we should go get my child some professional mental health. You know, I think they're very limitedly limited in their being... Um, uh, endorsed by the church now yeah though. yeah i think That's i think there's the church, probably the like, church the vatican itself is kind of like very backed off about it but that doesn't mean some old school priest didn't really i'm it. sure there is a shadow org of you uh, know of course there a is, sh- sh- shadow sure org and then it also really depends to what part of the world you're in For so sure. i think you know if you're in less developed nations you're going to see them a lot more there than you are going to be in the states but the states has a number of you know we don't even just have the you know, there's a number of fucked up religious things that happen in the united states so oh, i'm sure it's just interesting I'm interested. I'm not, I'm, yeah, it's just fascinating yeah. to me. And that's why we that's have a good the show. One. We will talk more about it in the future. But so, yes. yeah, that was Luigi. And of course, there's many other fun stories about, you know, there is one that I was, I was like, oh, I just wanted to focus on Robbie. I knew this was going to take a while. So I kind of veered off things. But there's some cases, like, especially in like the 20s to 40s of people who like got divorced because the Ouija board told them their wife was cheating on them. That's crazy. We yeah, Ouija, and there was my friend the whole Ouija board. Yeah, did, did you use it? Fuck yeah, we did. We would do all kinds of crazy shit. Like thought we were having like we would have like we would have like try to have seances and we I was in the generation in like the 80s of A, I was a weird kid who liked fantasy shit, but also like when you like played outside and made did a lot of make-believe, you know what I mean? Like ran around in the field behind the house and shit. And so we did a lot of uh we did Ouija boards, we did a lot of make-believe, we did seances, we would try to make potions. Oh, you mean oh. potions? That's oh, awesome. Yeah. Totally. Totally got an allergic reaction to the one that was supposed to make wings on my back. Uh, did not work for the record either. But turn yeah. around. Let me see your back. Let me <laughs> see your wings. No wings. Sorry <laughs> to disappoint. But yeah, like we did all kinds of crazy Damn, stuff. Damn, that'd yeah. be so cool. Yeah, let's let's work on that potion next time I'm in Dallas. Let's try and make try and make Diana's <laughs> wings spread again. Trying to grow wings and have an allergic reaction to whatever I picked in the field and put in it. Um yeah, and we did poison ivy. I, we, would get, we would get freaked out. No, it wasn't poison ivy, but it wasn't that bad. It was just a little itchy. But we, uh, like, we would do. We did the Bloody Mary stuff. We did all that stuff, and it freaked me the fuck out because I'm a bliss, and as you know, so uh, it was very challenging. And maybe that's why I'm such a wuss, just because I did all this shit as a kid. And I'm like, no, I saw some fucking spirits. Fuck that shit. But 
um I, I thought mean, I, I did. I, I did that shit as a kid too. So it scared, uh, we, that, but it scared me. So I don't know. We did that a lot. Like, we were, but, like, we yeah. thought there was we thought there were spirits. Like there was more than once of like, you know, where we like burst out of her the bedroom out of my friend's bedroom and like run downstairs and like mom. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Legit. Go sit out, go sit outside in the sun because it feels way safer than being in the dark room with the blinds closed with a Ouija board. You know that kind of stuff, and then he so, burned it. Burned the Ouija board. No, uh, yeah. So yeah, there's a couple of books, and I'll post them in the show in the show notes that have some really great stories about. Uh, I was reading this one, and I was sitting dying of pictures so while I was on my sleep study. Ouija gone wild, and it's really good. There's some good stories in there. Uh, and Morbid did a really good podcast on it. With um, they did a bunch of listener tales on it, and they brought up the Zozo thing on theirs too, which I've read a, 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 a yeah, it's a demon that shows up at a lot of Ouija board things, apparently. Huh. Okay. So-so. So-so. Because I think he sounds like a fluffy animal. So-so. It does. It sounds very floofy. Yep. All right. <sighs> so Ouija, yeah, I will hopefully get to go see some exciting Ouija things exciting. next week, and I will bring you guys pictures. Uh, so back to Sam there, and his talking Sam. board. And the, and the mystical talking board with... Um, with uh, Dean and, uh, and also, I mean, yes, there were also mis- like things named Mystical Talking Board, but the people who have the Ouija novelty company, like because they patented it, there was uh-huh. like many trademark wars over people who were trying to make other talking boards. Like, oh, yeah. there is a whole bunch of corporate history on this that I would just thought would be too boring to go into. But That's yeah, yeah, it so is I was wondering, I'm like, there's not really a competition for the Ouija board, like, but it- there was. Yeah, they were like, no, we have a patent. And the patent doesn't say anything about it being used to communicate with the dad. It just says for fun and amusement. But they were just like, we have trademarked this. This is ours. And they would sue the shit out of anybody who came in it. And they had like rival companies came up and they had gang wars about it. Well, okay, they didn't have gang wars, but yeah. yeah. In my mind, they did. It was 1920s. And they're like, ah, they all had little music hats on. They're like and dancing they in the street. They snapped and there was like, you can't use my talking board and then like one of them was like i've got a polka and then they started doing the the planchette polka and (laughs) exactly it sounds totally like what i would that is is what happened in history fat This has been an your edition of Liz and Diana's uh, history reenactments. With, uh, they always, always are musicals. Just warning you now. Um, oh yeah, everybody sang like that's duh. The, the, duh, that does how history was. It's like there's a reason why <laughs> Hamilton is popular. They were all singing. That is how the country was founded. That's why we have a federal bank. People were singing. That's what it was. Yeah. So talking board. <laughs> Sam the talking board. board. Uh, Dean's able to basically tell Sam that he's hunting something at the hospital, but that he can't kill death. So Sam goes to talk to John, John and tell him, holy shit, I just talked to Dean and he's fight, he's hunting something in the hospital. And of course, John is fucking gone because John is a big a, fat fucking liar. Yep, big fat fucking liar. And he's going off to summon a demon. Yeah, in the boiler room. And I wrote... John in the boiler room with bag. Looks like he's going to summon a fucking demon. That's what I wrote down. <laughs> and chalk. He had a lot of chalk. So I hope that was on the list. Like I want some big ass fat pieces of chalk. Because it wouldn't suck. It got like the little pieces, like one little <laughs> and piece of chalk. Out, and you're like trying to like, you're, like pressing your finger on the concrete, trying to get that last line in. Yeah. Um, so Sam decides to go through um, John's journal because apparently he left that behind. With He took a giant duffel bag full of supplies, but leaves his journal. Makes total sense um and um 
uh, he's flipping through it and gets to a section on reapers and stops. And that's when Dean figures out that Tessa is not actually just another innocent spirit trapped like he is. Tessa is a fucking reaper. Well, and I'm like, yeah, hey, if you're going to try and trick Dean with something, that is going to make her a pretty girl. Like, you know, Isabel. Well, he's a yeah. sucker. Yeah. So anyways, and so she's trying to, so he, he basically confronts her and she's like, not to, tells him not to fear death because it's his time. I'm like, oh, that's fucking heavy. Yeah, well, I mean, it is, but also, yeah. Uh, so we're going to go back and, and John is summoning old yellow eyes. Yellow eyes. Yellow eyes. Yeah. yeah. So something else I learned too, uh, so the contacts he was wearing, the yellow mm-hmm. ones, when you put them on, you can't see anything. Okay. So they basically, he was like, at first it was kind of cool. I was like, I'm going to delve into like this acting and people are like leading me around to my marks. He's like, then they started getting really painful and really fucking annoying. And he like kept like missing where he was supposed to go. And they had like sandbags on the floor for his marks. And he kept missing him. And people okay. just had to keep po- posing him. And when Tessa gets her yellow eyes, apparently like she couldn't see either. And she kept missing Dean's face as she was trying to touch it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh. Yeah, no, like the yellow, the, I can see that because I, I just assume they're, I mean, obviously they're partially CGI, but they kind of like swirly. So, I mean, like, yeah, they're, they're just fucking like contacts. That. Yep. That's wild. That's and funny. again, go, and again, gothic people don't wear those contacts. They look stupid. Okay. So, so uh, we get yeah. all yellow eyes. We get, get all yellow, all yellow eyes shows up and, um, and two of his helpers are with him too. And John, John points the fucking Colt at him, but instead of hand, you know, instead of handing it over, says he wants to make a deal. Deal, like, deal. Yeah. Oh my gosh, shit. Oh shit. That's all I can think. John makes weird choices. So anyways. he does because he's a shit bag. So I mean, for the good of the world, he's a shit bag. But yeah. yeah. So we get a demon deal. Woo! Demon deal. And so then we have cut back to Dean basically trying to negotiate and bargain with Tessa about not dying because that's what, because he doesn't think he's ready and he needs to stick around. And she gives a kind of a fucked up like thing about like, basically I, you don't have to come with me, but you're just going to be stuck here. And over time, you're going to lose your fucking shit and become a thing that you've hunted, which is a, a, an angry spirit, which is, which is- kind of. Which you're like, oh, that's awful. And I'm like, this is also great because we're setting up the reason why they're ghosts, right? So yeah. it's like, this is how we got ghosts. The Reaper came. So and this said, is in our mythology. And they're no. they like, nah, I'm going to stay here. I've got some shit to do. And then they became angry spirits. So I think right. it's kind of cool. We and there was kind of a miss, cool yeah. line, like where he asks, like, what's what's next? And she's like, she's like, oh, I can't give away the punchline. I thought that was kind of a cool line in there. Yeah. We also miss Sam giving Dina's Wilson Phillips monologue, which I was, oh. he was like singing, hold on for one more day. And he was getting his, bro, don't leave me, bro. Uh, yeah. yeah, I skipped that part. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I just, I was, I was just got that song stuck in my head as I was watching it. Hold on for one more day. <laughs> Things go your way. All right, so we're back and John and old yellow eyes and they're quipping oh, it up. Eyes. And basically he offers to trade the motherfucking Colt in the last bullet to yellow eyes to save Dean. I'm like, I, 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 was, I was pretty surprised. Um, and then we also do learn that there is the something specific. We know that the demon wants something specific with Sam and the other children that he's been trying to take. And it gets revealed here that John knows what it is, even though he's denied that he knows what that connection is. He, we know he knows what it is, though he doesn't tell us yet. Um, so, yeah. 
anyways, the demon basically says like, yeah, I, I can, I can make sure Sam or Dean is saved, but I want something more than just the cold. And then we cut again. I think he wanted a sweet booty. I think that was, that was what is. he wanted. Yeah. Trade oh, for trade, time. man. You know, this isn't, this dick isn't going to touch itself, John. Come on. Yeah. Diana's just shaking her head. Like, oh, fucking lay stop. I'm leaving that one alone. I'm leaving that one alone. <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord. So anyways, we cut back to, you know, Dean's still trying to talk Tessa into not taking him. But uh, then we already start hearing noises and he's asking her what she's doing. She's like, I'm not fucking doing that. And she turns around and you see the demon smoke coming through the vent. And she screams, you can't do this. But the demon smoke goes in her mouth anyways. And then she turns around and she has the yellow eyes, like you said. And she like, um, and she says in the demon voice, she says, today's your lucky day, kid. And she grabs his head. Yeah. And that's the one she kept missing. That's hilarious. <laughs> but I really would like to see that blooper reel. I'm just like, because <laughs> it's such a dramatic like moment that's like extra funny then when it's like real awkward. Yeah. Well, apparently, even though this episode was really heavy, like they were just laughing the whole time. And when we get to the next scene and, you know, uh, John's telling Dean his secrets, he was apparently whispering dirty things in his ear and they won't say what it was. But I do oh, want to know. Oh, damn it. Yeah. yeah. So Dean wakes up in his body, obviously, because he's been saved by the fucking demon because his dad traded something, the cult and something else for it. Um, and uh, doctor is there and he can't explain how Dean's recovered. Or how he got all those tests done that fast. I'm like, holy yeah, shit, you got a bunch of medical tests done real quick. Well, and then, De- but what's weird is apparently Dean has no recollection of being outside of his body. I thought that part was weird. No. That was surprising and odd to me. Um... So John walks in to Sam and Dean being in the, into Dean's room and Sam and Dean are there. I think like, this is kind of a weird scene. Um, he, he's telling Sam that he wasn't going after the demon. Sam doesn't really believe him. They just don't really want to fight again. Or John's very, very, very passive in this scene. It's kind of a weird one where he's just like, I don't want to fight. You know, it is. You know, I think John knows he's going to die. He doesn't want his last memories with his kids to be of him fighting. and Sam fighting. Again. Yeah. yeah. And then, so he sends, but he sends Sam away and then goes over. Talk, he's like super sentimental to Dean. Talking about how he put too much on his shoulders, yada, yada, yada. And Dean's like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you talking about? Who are you? This is not how my dad talks to me. And then he whispers something like John leans in and is whispering, which he said is apparently dirty jokes, which is hilarious but was whispering something that didn't tell us and then he leaves the room and we see john give the colt to someone we don't see who we just see the, the gun go on the table and then he did and then he's dead and sam finds him dead on the floor and we get a very dramatic coffee dropping thing where the the liquid pops up and you just see the slow motion busyness of it I have like, the like, ending of this. I don't know. I feel very, I feel, I feel a little blindsided. Why is that? Uh, I feel like John owed them more information. Yeah, but no, he was, a, he was a fucking liar and a shitty guy. And he's going to keep that shit to himself. And he told Dean, he just waited until he was about to die. We don't know what he told him, told him something. Maybe he left them a note. Did he feel like, 
I feel like he thought like he was like almost like martyring himself himself for Dean, and I feel like that's unfair too. That's my shitty comment about John because I think John's kind of a dick. Yeah, I mean, he was being, you're not wrong. He's being a martyr. He also basically went through and he sacrificed himself. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like denigrating that. Like he saved his son, that's fine. But he put him in that position. And he said things to Dean that he didn't say to Sam, right? And so he was just, he was not good to Sam. Like there's a bunch of, you're a bad, you're a bad dad, John. Bad dad. And I'm kind of surprised. Like I didn't think that, I thought I thought his character carried on more in the series than this. I don't know. Hmm. You're gonna have to watch fourteen more seasons, and then you'll <laughs> and then you'll see. I just I, that was the impression I had got have have been given from my limited exposure to fandom that this is seems like a very you also know that he went on to be in the walking dead so how do you do both he he may have never had he may have been very busy with walking dead and had to die (laughs) that could have just been all there was to so this time he was i think just finishing up gray's anatomy um he was on gray's anatomy he also died in gray's anatomy spoiler alert sorry um but um yeah, he was in that one for probably like six months, but that was during the while they were filming season one. So I don't know, but yep, he gets written off here. Um, but you know, this one, it's a way to move the plot line along. That's true. So we, we get him out. And then, so what is, but we still have the, the first thing from season one is still unresolved, right? We still, old yellow ass is still out oh, there. Yeah. We still know Sam's psychic thing, right? We don't yep. know what's going on with that. And that's still developing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And will they be able to put baby back together? What's happened in Trunk? That's a serious conversation. Bobby sure as shit didn't think so. I like Bobby. Can they hang out with him more? Maybe. I hope so. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Sounds entertaining to me. Yeah, because he he sounds like a fucking Texan. That's why you like him. Is that what it is? Oh my God, these yeah. are people. That's why. These are people. Yeah. Right. He right. he drinks it. Yeah. You maybe. maybe. I'm not gonna spoil anything. Oh, hmm. maybe around. He may not. I don't know. I've seen it implied that he's around at least some. I know he's not gone. I just don't know how much. Yeah, we'll see. We got 14 so, more 14 more years of this shit. So I know. <laughs> I know. We're in for the long haul. But yeah. So I think the what you're what you're saying up front about the writers and how they took this episode, like other than I mean, not other than John dying, it was a little bit lighter and a little bit more on kind of some of the like it felt more story oriented than it did like hit it and quit it episode does that make sense it's not a standalone it's definitely not a standalone episode it's it's not a monster of the week even though there was kind of a monster yeah but it's what we've seen before and but really it was more about how do we get from you got hit by a truck to here and i think they did you a pretty good job of going from you got hit by a truck this is where we're at this is and i think it's a good way to start the season yeah well you're starting it with some good conflict up front with um with john dying and then with what that means for the brothers going off on their mission and decide what they what they're going to decide what they're going to do are they still on the mission after this so i think there's a lot to, i don't know do they stop hunting yeah i'm sure <laughs> for there's there's 14 seasons of following um sam at stanford and Dean yeah stanford. around that's all there is going on in yeah it actually it's just, it becomes a procedural it's just law and order <laughs> and like uh dean dean runs the bar where sam goes and drinks yeah, after court it. like that's that's, all, that's that's what happens with the rest of yeah. supernatural exactly 
So, so I mean, I, obviously I know, but I mean, but like how they approach it and what they decide to do, I think it's kind of, you know, that's going to be the story, obviously for the, the upcoming part of the season, at least. Yeah. So. so I really, I think that's all I've got to say about this episode, unless you have anything else. Mm-hmm. I like all the right. tone. I'm excited to see where it goes. That's what I got. Yep. I'm very sad I get to see Dean's button in a hospital gown. That's my, that's my takeaway. Uh, All right. So I think we're going to end it on that. So cheers. Cheers, jerk. Cheers, bitch. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Devil's Trap Podcast, Twitter, Devil's Trap Pod, or you can email us, devilstrap at devilstrappodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and share it with all your friends. We're available at all your major podcast listening devices, or you can always find us at devilstrappodcast.com. Thanks! Devil's Trap Podcast is a Don't Be a Dick production. Meow! Intro music, arrangement and performance by Dave Cox. Piano arrangement and performance by Bobby Orozco. Meow!